0: salvation we get the redemption of our souls god there's so many things that you've poured out upon us god and we're just so grateful for those god today as we get into your word god pray that we'd be inspired that we'd be encouraged god that maybe even too we'd feel a little uncomfortable father that we'd be moved to to change but we'd also see the things that we're doing well and be encouraged by those father that, God, that this morning, that this time when we get into your word, that it's just a uh, um, overall moving time for us. We love you. Uh, we just pray, Father, I specifically pray this morning that, God, whatever it is that you want us to hear, God, that it would be just loud and clear this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to Revelation chapter 3, if you would. We're going to continue our series on the seven churches, and so we're we're. If you've been following along with us, we're going to kind of jump ahead just a tad because uh, we had to do some scheduling uh, uh, gymnastics here. We were, uh, you know, ready for the church in, in Sardis, I guess, today, but uh, we're moving ahead to Philadelphia. We'll go back to Sardis next week. So uh, we're like, if you were following your GPS, we'd be uh, recalculating right now, right? Which is just so disconcerting when you hear that, like, it's like, oh, I've missed my turn, but uh, we haven't missed any turns, we're just going a little different direction here this morning, amen? And so, uh, looking in Revelation chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 7, we're going to talk about the church in Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not home of cheesesteaks, the Flyers, the Phillies, the Eagles, but instead the church in Philadelphia in the ancient world, amen? By the way, I love a good Philly cheesesteak. If anybody has some good places we can go, let me know, okay? I haven't found a good one here yet. Revelation 3, verse 7, we're going to start, it says, unto the angel of the church, In Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your words. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. As always, there's a lot here in Revelation to unpack, right? We're not going to unpack it all. If you want to do some great unpacking, I strongly encourage you to come to our Sunday school classes on Sunday mornings at 9. I'm doing a little plug for the brothers here, because that's the time when we really get in and dig through these things. Amen? So I did want to hit on the key of David. Because I think it's super important to understand a little bit here. And there's all kinds of... If you've done any deep study in Revelation, or if you've done any deep study in the Bible at all, you know that some things are just unclear as to what they are, right? As a matter of fact, with the Key of David, if you were to go out and read 10 different places, you will probably get 10 different answers. But here's the one I like the best. Does it mean that it's the gospel truth? No. But it sounds great, amen? Sounds consistent. So we're going to read it to you. It's from a noted, uh, New Testament scholar, Dr. Leon Morris, and here's what he says. And this is, uh, directly from Tony. He gave me this guy to look up, amen? So, uh, it, but it says here, probably it is admission to the city of David, the heavenly, the heavenly Jerusalem that is in mind, and this Christ alone gives and withholds. So it, very simply, this is just a reminder that the only one who has authority is Jesus here. And as long as we're faithful, we're golden. He says, man, I'm going to let you in. If you're faithful, you come in. If I open this door, no one can shut this. And I think that's just, I want to share that because that's super encouraging, right? It kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 8. Where it says there, it's talking about the love of Christ. But he says, hey, man, nobody can distance you from this. And in this way, if Jesus says you're good, you're good. Nobody can change that. And that encourages me because if I'm in good with Jesus, I'm good to go. But then we move on to Revelation 3.10. And this is where I want to spend the lion's share of what we're talking about here this morning. If it goes back just a pinch... And there's a quote. Oh, that's the quote I just read. Moving on, 310. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to those who dwell on the earth. This thing, this little phrase here, patience and patient endurance, that's what I want to talk about today. Because I think it's, it's, a very cool little phrase, right? And it shows up a couple other times. The church in Ephesus and the church in Thyatira, they both are commended for this. But Philadelphia specifically, what I think is awesome about that church here is that they're commended for it, but there's no rebuke that follows it. So we could maybe make a few assumptions here that maybe they were a little bit better at it than the rest. But I love this phrase because... When I think about the Christian life, you know, I became a Christian when I was 20 years old. I'm 47 now. So 27 years in God's kingdom. When I think about patient endurance, I'm like, man, that's, I I could boil a lot of things down to that. (laughs) The further I go along, the more challenges I face, the older I get. Your body starts to break down a little bit. You think, man, if I can just make it to the finish line. It used to be, man, if I could just, I'm going to conquer all these things, and I'm going to be, you know, and I'm like, man, the fire's still in my heart. The spirit's willing, but the body's weak. And, man, I just want to slide across that finish line, you know. There's a great video. I wish I would have thought about it ahead of time, but uh, I don't know if many of you are baseball fans, but there's a cool video going around and it's spring training right now, you know, and that's where all the guys go out to practice before the season, kind of get their bodies used to it. And there's a video going around yesterday of this guy, and he was going in to slide head first into second base, and he comes up just a bit short. And it's really funny to watch him, because he gets about 10 feet away from the base, and he just kind of stops. And the rest of his way in is kind of like he's swimming. And he just, at the last second, he goes like this, and then he just bows, because he knows he just went viral, you know. He knows it's going to be all over the place, and he looks terrible, but he just reaches and goes, boom, but touch the base. I'm like, I hope that's me. Like, I just want to get there. <laughs> boom. I don't care how. I just want to make it. Amen. Yeah. And this is really such a cool, this whole deal here, this patient endurance, man, such a great thing to unpack, and that's what we're going to talk about here today, the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Patient Endurance. Well, what is patient endurance? Well, there's a couple of verses here that I think can shed some light on this, and they're right here in Revelation. You know, we've been learning in the class we've been taking, you know, if you want to try to figure out what something means, look in that same book. Look right around it, right? In Revelation 1, 9, it says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation in the kingdom... And the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. It gives a little extra little piece there, and I bolded it for you, that are in Jesus. I think this is an important piece to the puzzle. This part in Jesus. This is the real stuff. This isn't something that just comes from you. You know, there's some of us who... I would call us endurers. You know, we're just people that you just kind of, when, when bad times come, you just kind of bear down, right? And you just endure and you're just trying to get through all the time. You know, it's funny. My wife and I will have these weird interactions. I think we're both endurers by nature, right? And so one of us will come in and, and it'll be like, I've got a headache and my body hurts. And it's like, well, have you taken any ibuprofen? No. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> Because we're just trying to endure, right? Take a little medicine, you'll feel better. But some of us are like that. We just try to get through. But there's a part of this that says, in Jesus. It's the strength of Jesus. So look at this. This gives us a little more insight even to the in Jesus part. Now I'm flipping back and forth here between translations and the ESV and the NET. It's all God's word, amen? Amen. But some of the wording's just a little different, and I think it sheds some light on things for us. So here in Revelation 14, and this is how the NET, verse 12, it says, This requires the steadfast, or I put in there, patient, means the same thing, endurance of the saints, those who obey God's commandments and hold to their faith in Jesus. Then I heard a word from heaven say, Write this, blessed are the dead, those who die in the Lord from this moment on. Yes, says the Spirit, so they can rest from their hard work because their deeds will follow them. What do we learn here? Patience, endurance in Jesus. It's obeying God's commandments. It's holding to the faith. It's this kind of endurance that we're looking for. It's not just trying to get through something on your own power, but it's really... Even in that endurance, we're still walking in the steps of Jesus. We're still obeying Him. We're still following His commands. I've got a little alarm going off on my phone, even though I silenced it. It means I'm done. Okay? Amen. Not done, not done yet. But it's in Jesus, right? This is such a key to the puzzle. This in Jesus. Walking in his ways, holding to his teachings, clothing ourselves with us. As I'm saying those words, you can think of scriptures that are jumping to mind, right? This walking in Jesus is what makes this patient endurance so powerful. Even back up just a little bit in that verse we just looked at there, when we're talking about the church in Philadelphia, verse 8 in there it says, I know that you have but little power and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. See, them and themselves, they had little power. But in Jesus, they were able to not deny the name and they were able to hold to his word. So what is it about patient endurance in Jesus? What does it do for us? Well, the short answer is a bunch. But the biggest one, I think, is this, and this is where it really takes an encouraging turn for us here, in James chapter 1, and many of us are familiar with these verses here, right? But it says in verse 2, my brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. I like when it says it there, fall into all sorts of trials, right? But you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, or perseverance, as some other verses say, and let endurance have its perfect effect so that you will be perfect or mature and complete, not deficient in anything. Those who endure in Jesus, they grow. Now, what I've noticed for myself is that when I just endure in Jason, <laughs> there's not really growth. And I think about how many sufferings or challenges I've wasted over my lifetime because I was trying to just get through them in my own strength. When really all along, God has been putting these things in my path, allowing these things to happen so that there could be growth in me. So I could become mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we just endure for the sake of endurance, we're really wasting those opportunities at growth. You know, this for me, maybe for you it's not, but for me, this is a big mind shift. Because I think for a long time, I hate suffering. I hate being uncomfortable. I don't like it. It drives me crazy. But I don't see it the way God sees it, which is an opportunity. You know, Brandall and I had a conversation Wednesday and that's the light bulb that came on for me was, holy cow, these are opportunities. You know, it sounds like some of that corporate mumbo jumbo when they go, don't say weakness, say opportunity, you know, but it really is. These are, these are opportunities for us to engage in growth. And I tell you what, if we're not engaged, we're going to atrophy. And brothers and sisters, you know, we're talking about this this live, right? This is kind of our deal. It's not live. It's live, you know, that's up there. Could be either one, right? But, But that's what we're talking about is we're talking about being engaged. That's a big part of what the thread through all these lessons are it's being engaged and if we're not engaged spiritually you're just going to start there's going to be atrophy in you you know i broke this is not a picture of my wrist but it reminded me of my wrist because i had a blue cast but right before right when i think rachel and i were engaged when it happened because i remember freaking out thinking i'm gonna have to have this on my wedding day but you know we're out playing softball and and I was gonna show the brothers how it's done, you know, pride before the fall, right? And I'd just gotten this brand new glove and I was thinking, man, I'm gonna show them what's up, right? And I'm running and the ball is, it's like this sinking line drive and I run to catch it and my glove sticks in the ground and cause it's new, it's super stiff. So it didn't give like my normal glove would and I just fell on top of it. And when I got, I sprung up and I was like, I knew. Right away, it's broken. Even though I'd never had a broken bone before, if you've ever had a broken bone, you know it's it's unmistakable what happened, right? This thing is broken. And I remember having that cast on and going through the whole thing, and then when they cut it off, I didn't want to show any pictures, because honestly, it's disgusting, but if you've ever seen an arm or leg or anything after a cast comes off, it's gross. First of all, there's all this skin on it, right? dead skin but then it's just skinny it looks freakish you know but that's what ha but it's that's atrophy is after it not it's not being used for a time it gets real skinny and i think some of us spiritually we've just endured for so long and these we've had so many of these trials that have come we just endured and it hasn't been in jesus and then we're just we just atrophy. And so we have one challenge and then we're worse off afterwards, and we have another challenge and we're worse off afterwards, and another suffering, and we're worse off after after it. And so over time we just atrophy, and instead of becoming stronger and more complete, we're just becoming these skinny weaklings of disciples who then can't handle any challenges that come. And God can see so far ahead, right? He can see what's coming. There's like, there is, you know, as Chris talked about last week, it's going to get worse. Guys, we have to have our eyes open to what's coming. The stances that we take as Christians on the Bible, people aren't going to accept those forever. It's going to get worse. The things that we call sin, the world says is okay. The things that we say isn't right, the world says, oh, it's okay. Just You just need to be tolerant. And you think that stuff's not going to come bite us at some point? There's going to be some persecution. And it's not going to be like it is right now. It's going to get worse. That's a guarantee. As you stand out, as you're a light, as you extend the word of God, people are going to bite your hand. Things are going to get tough. And if you don't allow these sufferings and these challenges that happen right now, how do you think you're going to stand faithful in the end? You're not going to be able to. You're going to be too weak, too feeble. And all you're going to have is regret. Like, man, had I stayed in Jesus in that suffering, where would I be now? I think we get a great example of someone who stayed faithful out of James chapter five. And actually it's in our first testament as the brothers like to call it, right? But we go back here, James chapter five, verse 10. I love this. It says as an example of suffering and patience or this patient endurance, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. Bunch of cool. If you just want to go see some patient endurance. Go read some of the prophets in the Bible. Some of the ways like Jeremiah, right? That poor guy. Talk about patient endurance. But then they give us a specific one. Think of how we regard as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance. And you have seen the Lord's purpose. That the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. I love the NIV here. It says... It says what the Lord finally brought about. Finally brought about. Because Job, man, look at everything he went through. (coughs) Excuse me. Lost his property. Job won. Lost his children. Lost his health. Lost his wife's backing. He had lost sympathy from his friends. He lost his friends. All those sufferings. And that's just, man, that is like... But that's like a little tiny tip of the iceberg if you read it. You're like, how could I go through such a thing like this? But Job did. And even in all that, he hung in there. He endured. He suffered, but he never gave up the faith. And I think, man, what a great example And I think when I look at stories like this, it needs to encourage us. Because here's the cool thing. We get to do the in Jesus part. Right? Now we have Jesus. Job didn't have Jesus. So we get a little bit extra of a help here. But we get the in Jesus part. We get the Holy Spirit within us. I'm going to do a little tangent here because we forget the Holy Spirit and all this, right? That you get it, that Jesus said, right? It's going to be better for you when I'm gone because you're going to have the Spirit with you. That still blows my mind. I'm like, no, I think I'd rather have Jesus with me, walking here with me. Hey, Jesus, But no, he says, it's even more blessed for you with the spirit. So for us right now, it's more blessed for us. So we're more equipped now than anybody who's ever lived to patiently endure because of that spirit within us. And because of the word that we have right there to go and encourage us about what other people have been through. We're very equipped to face the sufferings. Just we need to be in Jesus with it and be encouraged by these people like Job. Amen. This brings us into a little bit more of a deeper thought here. And I want you to look at this quote. This is a cool quote that I found this week from Thomas Brooks. It says, A Christian will part with anything rather than his hope. He knows that hope will keep the heart both from aching and breaking, from fainting and sinking. He knows that hope is a beam of God, a spark of glory that shall not extinguish it till the soul be filled with glory, You know, we all are, well, many of us are familiar with this scripture, right? Romans chapter 5, and you do have to turn there. But this just reminds us of this cycle of hope. And hope is such a big part of patient endurance, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance character. And character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who was given to us. There's a cycle here with hope. And endurance. And character. And I love this when we're really engaged in jesus in this patient endurance there's a cool cycle that's created suffering produces endurance right which produces character which produces hope and then when you're hopeful you go back into suffering again it just keeps building this is the cycle you want to get into is that it just keeps growing it doesn't just stop with hope. You get through suffering, you endure, you get character and hope, but then there's going to be more suffering. There just is because of our human condition. But when you grab, th- when you go through this and you engage in that cycle and you come out and there's hope, another suffering comes and you're like, okay, we can do this and this is going to be cool. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. And I may cry. And I may like lay down on the couch for a day longer than I should have or whatever. But man, I'm just going to keep engaging. And I'm going to get stronger. And it's just the cycle that keeps going and going. And it's so encouraging when we engage in these things. Another cool quote here from Tim Keller. You and I are unavoidably and irreducibly hope-based creatures. We are controlled not how we live now, but what we think will happen later. Christian hope has to do with the ultimate future, not the immediate. I want to talk about hope for a second because this is such a big piece of this. And when you talk about the patient endurance part of it, the patience part, that's where hope comes in. If you don't have hope, it's hard to be patiently enduring. And hope is so, it's so crazy how we say hope, the word, right? How we talk about it. We talk about it as almost like a Hail Mary, right? I'm just going to throw that ball up and I hope he catches it. You know, I hope the Cardinals win the World Series this year. You know, I hope, I hope. You know, I hope I'll get home in enough time to see this show come on. I hope this will happen. And it's almost like this. Just, you're, oh, I just, man, I I hope it'll happen. But hope in Christianity, hope from the Bible is ironclad, rock solid. It's happening. And nothing can take it away. It's hard for us because I think as you get older, you see things are just temporary, right? Stuff that you thought was going to be permanent. It's just temporary. We moved into a house in Oklahoma City, and I love, oh, man, God blessed it. I love that house. We were there two years. I thought I was going to be there for a long time. I was excited. I was like, this place is awesome, right? But it's temporary, and that's how we think of so many things, and so many things are temporary. It's hard for us to connect with the fact that hope in Jesus, it's rock-solid, ironclad. its isn't going anywhere. When you're connected with Jesus, when you've got that Holy Spirit in you, you've made Jesus Lord, you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you've repented, man, you are in. There ain't nothing taking that away. Nobody can come and steal it. It's not going to decay. Those treasures that you've been storing up for yourself in heaven by giving to others of your time, of your money, of all those things. Those things are not going away. Those are rock. Those are rocks. It's ironclad. It's not going anywhere. That hope in Jesus is so different than the hope we just kind of, ooh, you know. Why is that so important? Because it's that hope we've got to lock onto to patiently endure. it's such a big part of it of what we're talking about here being in Jesus we can't be patient in the midst of all these things without just being able to be reminded of what I, what is to come right when i think about that i'm like man i can't wait to be with god and that makes it so much easier For me, when I get in that mindset to go, this is all. All this stuff that's happening here, it's a means to an end. It's temporary. It'll be gone. But that, that is permanent. And that's where the vast majority of my life's going to be. My eternal life that started, what started at my, you know, baptism when I came up out of those waters, that thing, such a small part of it's here. The vast majority of it's going to be up there with God. Amen. Amen. Or down here, however you want to see it. Let's finish this up here. Amen. Revelation three, verse 11 through 13. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown the one who conquers i will make him a pillar in the temple of god never shall he go out of it and i will write on him the name of my god and the name of the city of my god the new jerusalem which comes down from god comes down from my god out of heaven and my own new name he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches i think about pillars and how that symbolizes stability and strength. I think most of us, if we're in touch with where we're at, it's tough to be strong, right? Right. It's tough to be stable and strong. And we are always battling our weaknesses so that we can be stable and strong. But God says, hey, when you make it here, I'm going to make you a pillar of of my temple. And then he says very simply as well, I'm just going to label you with my name. I love that. What do you write your name on? Stuff that's yours. There's all kinds of symbolism I'm sure we could get into here, but I like to try to keep it real simple here. God's just saying, man, you are mine. And I love that reminder at the end of all this, right? It's like, this is all, what is all this about? What is all this struggle and strife and fight? What is it all about? It's just, I just want to get you here to me. I want to make sure that you're going to be strong enough to face the things you're going to have to, to, have to face in this broken world. Why? So you can get to me. Yeah. Yep. So we can be together. So that my special possession will be in my hand. I love that. That's where we want to go, amen? That's where we want to get. I think it, when I think about this patient endurance, I want to give you one little question to write down. You know, we've been talking about following up here, right? From uh, Brandall's lesson on Wednesday night, we talked about we want to follow up. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to make it easy for you. Give you a question How can I grow in my patient endurance? And I want you to ask this to someone you're close to, to a discipling partner, someone you're close to spiritually. I want you to ask them this question. The reason why I want you to do that is because it it kind of forces a little bit of engagement, right? It's not just saying, "Here's what I'm going to grow in, but hopefully they're going to help you and you're going to help them and ask it to each other, you know but I think it'll be some encouraging conversation, even after church here today. Amen. But right now as we take communion together. I want you to consider that question, but I also want you to consider the ultimate example of patient endurance in Jesus. No one has endured so much as He, right? Not only did He go through great pain for us, but He can understand and sympathize with ours. And when I think about patient endurance and I know that I have Jesus, is not unable to sympathize with my weaknesses, that encourages me to be able to fight the good fight. Amen. As we take the bread and the cup together, let's remember him. Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you so much for this time of communion. Thank you that we can be reminded of the patient endurance that we can have in you. And Father, I pray that God, as we look at ways and, and, and consider ways that we could be more, uh, we could be more patiently enduring, Father, I pray that, you know, we're just inspired by the examples that went before us and especially Jesus. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the Bible says that we should consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. And I pray in this time as we're taking the bread and the cup that remind us of his body that was broken and and his blood that was spilled that that God we would be we would consider him you know and that it would help us to not grow weary and lose heart. We love you. We thank you for this time in Jesus name. Amen.